0: Volume. Welcome to Access, a podcast of the Health Justice Initiative produced by Volume. My name is Fatima Hassan. This show aims to unpack access to healthcare in the context of COVID-19. In 2020, We did this by looking at global and local developments in the sector. In 2021, we are adding two additional shows to take stock of current developments. In today's special episode, we share the highlights from a webinar hosted by the People's Health Movement of South Africa and the Health Justice Initiative, focusing on the important issue of equitable allocation of vaccines. In January 2021, AfriForum, together with Solidarity, launched court papers to compel the South African government to allow the private sector, NGOs, and provinces to procure and distribute vaccines independently of government. The Health Justice Initiative intervened as a friend of the court, or amici, and sought permission to introduce expert evidence. Shortly after being admitted, And before we were able to argue our application to introduce the expert evidence of Professor Leslie London, Dr. Tlaleng Moffa King, and Professor Saad Omar, AfriForum and Solidarity withdrew their case. The Health Justice Initiative had intervened in the case because we were concerned that it was trying to entrench vaccine apartheid in South Africa. And we have argued that privilege, wealth, and medical insurance whether you are in the Global South or Global North should not be a proxy for access to vaccines. The webinar that we rely on for most of this episode shared the input and actions of public health experts as well as civil society leaders to ensure that the allocation of vaccines is done through a coordinated central allocation mechanism rooted in equity in South Africa. Dr. James Van Dieren from the People's Health Movement of South Africa moderated the webinar and introduced the speakers, including Professor London and Dr. Mafa King, the Health Justice Initiative's expert witnesses. Professor Leslie London is the head of public health medicine at the University of Cape Town at the School of Public Health. He is also the People's Health Movement's Cheering committee member. Dr. Tlaleng Marfa King is the UN Special Rapporteur on the Right to Health and a medical doctor with a focus on universal health access, HIV care, and gender equity.
1: So AFRI Forum and Solidarity put forward six arguments, and I'm going to go through them uh, briefly. Firstly, um, they argued that the COVID epidemic is a public health emergency that requires urgent measures to address the epidemic. Secondly, they argued that the discovery of vaccines that are effective provides the opportunity to address the health crisis, and there's an urgent need Uh, to vaccinate as much of the population as speedily as possible, and I quote, in order to achieve herd immunity as soon as possible. So the third argument they said was there's a restriction on the ability of private healthcare entities to procure vaccines. Fourthly, they argued that the restriction on the ability of the private sector to procure vaccines will delay or protract the vaccine from reaching those who need it. And secondly, will prevent South Africa from attaining herd immunity as quickly as possible. Fifthly, they said that if you allow the private sector to procure vaccines, it will enable the vaccine then to reach those who need it and then South Africa will reach herd immunity more rapidly than if the vaccine was simply based on government procurement. And then lastly, they argued that the restriction on the ability of the private sector entities to procure the vaccine is an unreasonable limitation on the human rights of the members of solidarity, the union, and on members of various medical schemes on practitioners in private practice and on provincial health departments, because they also argued that provinces should be allowed to procure as well as some NGOs. So those are the six arguments they put forward. And it's very important we understand why these arguments are false. So firstly, nobody would disagree that COVID is an extraordinary emergency. And and that's why the WHO declared it a global uh, crisis, a global pandemic. Uh, But the measures that the African government has taken are consistent with what the World Health Organization uh, has said in its SAGE guidelines and others, in that they are rationally based on understanding the need for equity and access to life-saving health technologies. They are rationally based on our past experience, actually, of uncontrolled private sector procurement of scarce uh, health technologies. So we don't have to think back very far to remember when ICU beds and ventilators were not available to public sector patients in the first wave with um, consequences for survival of patients in the public sector. Um, PCR testing in the private sector was readily available but not in the public uh, and that was because there wasn't a pooling or sharing of resources.
0: The inequalities that exist between the public and private health sectors in South Africa mentioned by Professor London were further exacerbated during the COVID-19 pandemic.
1: So that inequality is based on real experience. And the policy of uh, the government to procure vaccines was consistent with all major global vaccine allocation guideline documents that were available at the time. What Solidarity was essentially proposing was to return to the scenario of the private sector paying for those who can afford it, while the public sector focuses on the vaccination of the most vulnerable members of society. So that is a departure from what is currently being proposed globally that until everyone is safe, no one is safe. It's a return to the old apartheid uh, two-tier healthcare system where the private sector operates independently and then the state takes care of the rest with less resources to take care. And that will not work. Uh, That will end up in uh, preventable deaths Uh, and inequality, huge and exacerbated inequality.
0: In other words, the state needs to steward the entire health system to ensure an equitable and coordinated response to COVID-19 vaccine allocation and prioritization to ensure equity and no queue jumping.
1: The second argument that they advanced was vaccines could help us reach herd immunity faster. So there's no doubt about... That, that we need vaccines, that we need to achieve a population or herd immunity more quickly, uh, and that if we do so, we will do so with le- uh, less loss of life. But there are two things about this. Firstly, the vaccine environment is very complex and there are many scientific uncertainties. So we, we have very few vaccines that are actually registered in South Africa. Um, the AstraZeneca has a section 21 authorization. So it's got a full uh, authorization and the J&J is licensed under trial, a research provision. Of course, that might change, but there are actually no vaccines that you can go and write a script and purchase at a pharmacy uh, in South Africa at the moment. Secondly, the producers would have to get their uh, vaccines registered through SAPRA, the South African um, Health Authority, uh, and they haven't given their dossiers uh, to Sarpra, just as they haven't given their dossiers of data to the WHO to get WHO to register. Producers have already pre-committed to selling billions of doses to rich countries, about four times as much to high-income countries as they have to COVAX. So uh, it's not coming to our pharmacy on the corner store very soon. So while promoting uptake of vaccines will in general be a positive development, Doing so in an uncoordinated and poorly applied program may hinder our country from attaining population or herd immunity. So the next argument about restricting the private sector from procuring vaccine. Um, the state policy is, uh, and it's true, that the state will do the procurement. Vaccines are a public good. And if you, need, uh, if you want to distribute a public good fairly, it's, it's the job of government to do that. Uh, The private sector is in fact already supporting state procurement, supporting the state and its policy. It's not uh, clamoring to be able to procure independently. And previous experience has shown that private acquisition is a problem. Uh, We can see in the PCR data from the first and second waves, if you were in the private sector, you were about five or six times more likely to get tested. So there's no evidence that private sector um, procurement is more efficient. Uh, COVID has arrived in South Africa in a context of huge inequality and it's exacerbated that inequality substantially.
0: The National Income Dynamics Study, which investigates the socioeconomic impact of COVID-19 in South Africa, found that inequalities deepened during the pandemic.
1: We've seen mortality rates in the poorer areas of Cape Town, about twice that of other areas. Uh, so we are facing a crisis of inequality. Uh, and, cent- and, and privatising procurement will exacerbate that inequality. It's true that centralised procurement doesn't guarantee equity, but it does make it possible, whereas private procurement makes equity
2: impossible.
0: Now we hear from Dr. Moffa King, the UN Special Rapporteur on the Right to
2: Health. You know, just to speak briefly about the right to health and human rights and why it was important for me as the United Nations Special Rapporteur on the Right to Health to be a part of this case um, in my capacity as an amicus. Um, the right to health is an ex- inclusive right, um, extending not only to timely and appropriate healthcare, but also to the underlying determinants of health, such as adequate supply of safe um, you know, nutrition and housing, as well as safe and portable water and adequate sanitation, which are very other important um, uh, you know, uh, hallmarks of the response to the COVID-19 pandemic. But what's also more important is to talk about um, the right to health and some of its entitlements. Um, And in this case, um, of course, the right to physical and mental health is quite a broad concept, um, but it can be broken down more specifically into entitlements.
0: Such as the prevention, treatment and control of disease including access to essential medicines.
2: And we know that the COVID-19 vaccine is classified as an essential um, medicine. And there are different obligations um, of of states, and these are set set out in Article 12 of the International Covenant on Economic, Social and Cultural Rights. And more importantly, General Comment Number 14 defines these obligations that the state parties have to fulfill in order to implement the right to health at national level. And I think this is where it's really important because often um, when countries and such as ours in South Africa, they ratify a lot of international human rights uh, protocols um, and articles, but not really operationalize the right to health on a national level in the ways that are required. Um, And one of the obligations of the state, um, it is to respect the right to health um, and refrain from denying or limiting equal access for all persons. What's also important is that the state is obligated um, to abstain from impo- imposing discriminatory practices um, a- a- as well as state policy. The other important thing, of course, is to ensure um, that the adopt legislation or take other measures ensuring equal access to healthcare and health-related services provided also by third parties. And that also they have an obligation um, to ensure that the realization of the right to health, as much as it's a progressive realization, there are some minimum core obligations that they have to meet. Um, And it makes sure that um, the state has to take deliberate, concrete and targeted steps towards the full realisation of the right to health.
0: One of those obligations is to develop a national plan for the procurement and distribution of vaccines that ensure access for all people in South Africa.
2: For us in South Africa, it's most relevant to talk about the national disaster plan um, that is currently being implemented as a response to the COVID-19 pandemic. It's also important, um, of course, to speak about um, the path, right, Um, to, to, to respond as a global community. And we know that human rights have to be the bedrock of all of the solutions um, that governments are coming up with. And in in our capacity with other human rights experts at the Office of the High Commissioner, we have on many occasions emphasized that um, a global pandemic of this scale um, and human cost with no clear end in sight requires a concerted, principled, and courageous response and that all efforts to prevent treat and contain the COVID-19 pandemic must be based on a human rights uh, approach. And of course the principles of international solidarity, cooperation and assistance. And I think it's very important um, to reiterate that there is no room for um, nationalism, but also profit making in the time of um, the pandemic. Of course, um, you know, Pandemics are really a crucial example of the need for scientific international cooperation. Um, but it's also important you know, to talk about the fact that in South Africa, um, the private medical schemes only take care of less than 20% of the population. So even at their best, um, they were still going to fail in terms of reach and in terms of ensuring that the people who need the vaccine the most are reached first. And this, of course, would deepen the already existing structural fault lines, but also the already existing inequity in South Africa in the health system as well as the socioeconomic system.
0: Given the Health Justice Initiative's role on the legal and research team to prepare for the amicus intervention in this matter, with the support of pro bono attorneys and advocates, I spoke at the webinar about why the Health Justice Initiative intervened in this matter and why we sought to introduce public health expert evidence, as well as what our arguments were. The context of our amicus intervention is that as the health justice initiative from 2020 already, we had been warning and saying to government that you need to be aware that there's going to be global shortages, the extent of which Leslie has already explained, but also that you're going to have to require rationing because our experience with HIV AIDS and the way in which we believe the pharmaceutical industry conducts itself and behaves itself will mean that there will be massive shortages, particularly for the global South. And in order to remedy that and to address that in the middle of a public health epidemic, you need to have one plan for your country, given our apartheid past, but given also our two-tiered unequal health system. And so the context of one country, one plan, Uh, has been because of the way in which the pandemic has actually unfolded over the last year, our own history, uh, and also the concerns around how the pharmaceutical industry would actually interact with governments and different role players in responding to this pandemic in the global south. This was basically a curveball in relation to the fact that some people in the private sector uh, who have small memberships decided that they wanted to basically run their own vaccine program. And this was at odds with what had happened with major industry players in the business sector, as well as large medical schemes like Discovery, Business for South Africa, all of the businesses involved in the Solidarity Fund, where they had pledged and committed to support a national procurement strategy, but also a national allocation strategy. And so there's not a single public health expert that Afri Forum in Solidarity relied on to justify this particular approach of conducting their own vaccine or vaccination program. Um, So what we don't know is which public health experts they rely on now, given that they've issued a statement indicating that everybody in the private sector should now go out and procure vaccines, including medical schemes. We don't know because the media also hasn't probed this or has asked these questions of every forum and Solidarity. Um, and really, we believe that this goes against all of the principles that have been set out by various organizations, including, uh, Leslie mentioned this already, the WHO Sage Group, uh, the ICJ, the UN, the World Health Organization, and all, you know, uh, credible and um, what we would regard as professional public health practitioners and experts in South Africa. And that is that you allocate based on need, you don't allocate based on wealth or based on your employment status or based on your race or based on whether you belong to a medical scheme or not, particularly in a pandemic. Then there's a danger of promoting unqualified vaccine selection and allocation where unqualified means there are no terms and conditions and you select and you allocate on your own without reference to a national strategy. And that is when we believe as HAI, the South African government actually does have a constitutional duty to step in and to prevent that from taking place. On 2nd March 2021, AfriForum and Solidarity formally withdrew its legal case on COVID-19 vaccine procurement and allocation against the Minister of Health and 16 others. And they've withdrawn it on the basis uh, that in their view, because there's no legal prohibition on procurement, that this isn't, they won. And therefore, uh, all private players can basically go out and start procuring vaccines. And that's what they've actually encouraged all private players as well as medical schemes to go into that. And you know, we, we'll talk about the, the reasons why that's not feasible, it's not practical, and it doesn't make any public health sense. Um, so the urging from this press conference announcing the withdrawal was to urge private players to basically undermine globally accepted public health evidence and principles, which Leng and and Leslie have set out. And this could have a severe impact on our ability to reach widespread population immunity, which Leslie has explained. So it doesn't just have an equity and a human rights and a public health impact, but it has severe consequences for this whole project of trying to achieve widespread immunity. Secondly, some of the statements that every Forum in Solidarity rely on, which they've taken out of the DG of Health affidavit, are actually taken out of its broader context. So if you read the entire affidavit, you'll notice that there are some key parts of that affidavit that should have been referenced. One of those key parts is that government says at this point, at this point, a law has not been passed to preclude private sector procurement and allocation. But should it come to that point, government may do that. Our own view as uh, AJI is that government should have passed this law in December already because they knew the situation we're in and unfortunately they too delayed. And so they've created this crisis as well of, of, of basically a situation of so much confusion. Because I think the, the main question we need to ask is even if the private sector is allowed to procure, which at the moment there is no law preventing them, then who is going to allocate and what is going to be the allocation plan? The only silver lining to the possibility that there is private sector procurement and and or private sector allocation, obviously the allocation part is something which we will fight. But if a private provider wants to go and buy vaccines on its own, we, as you know, we're dealing with the current context where there's no vaccine pricing transparency. This will actually allow us to challenge the pricing of multinational vaccine manufacturers, the companies, because of the way in which the single exit price medicine um, system works. And we would be able to go to the competition commission to ask for the pricing data of all of these vaccine manufacturers to test the assumptions about whether these prices are low cost or, or no cost. And that is potentially also one of the reasons why a vaccine manufacturer is not going to sell to the private sector necessarily in South Africa, because if you do, you basically open the door to the greater ability of civil society to hold your pricing to account. The main argument is that there cannot be prioritization and allocation of vaccines based on privilege and medical insurance or trade union membership alone. This would result in inequity an exclusion based on class. And so this is something we have to step in and address. No one in South Africa, we believe, should be allocating vaccines outside of a nationally accepted strategy. And so this is where the issue around the immediate supplies and immediate access of whatever little there is actually has to go to people who are most at risk, not necessarily to people who have the most amount of money or who can scream the loudest and get to court first. So this is just you know, some context again about vaccine apartheid, which is one of the ironies of this case is that there is no reference from Africa Forum and Solidarity around the role of drug companies. There's an assumption that the market is going to operate in a normal way. I think the important thing is that government has actually created this mess that we're in now, And I think the next few weeks are going to be quite critical. We have this grave danger of vaccine apartheid now being entrenched in in South Africa. And so some major uh, systemic issues need to be addressed. If government doesn't wanna pass a law in the next few weeks, then we have to compel it to because we can't have a situation where the entire private sector is basically operating like law of the jungle. We would be one of the few countries in the world to allow that. And certainly that's something that we can't support. The second is that we really need consensus on a single equitable allocation framework in Plain, to the extent that there isn't one. We were under the impression that there was one, that everybody um, is actually supportive of the prioritization framework. But to the extent that there uh, there isn't full support, to the extent that there isn't consensus, then government has to urgently ensure that there is such consensus and bring in, you know, all different scientific experts and advisors as well as the private sector, including every forum in solidarity, To re explain to people what the public health principles and imperatives require us uh, in a time of a pandemic to ensure equitable allocation. So I think, you know, getting fixated on procurement is taking us away from the most important issue, which is about you've got to do allocation within a national strategy to achieve widespread uh, population immunity. Given our unequal healthcare system in South Africa, It's regrettable that AFRI Forum and Solidarity have not yet formally and in writing committed to equitable allocation and prioritization plans, where the private sector works in partnership with government, as have most other leading private sector role players and medical schemes in our country. And instead, they have sought to convey the impression that they want to further perpetuate a system of privilege and exclusion. This gravely concerns the Health Justice Initiative as no one in South Africa should be allocating vaccines outside of a nationally accepted strategy. Thank you for joining us on Access. I'm Fatima Hassan. Access is a podcast series focusing on COVID-19 and access to testing, treatment and vaccines. This special episode in the Access series was brought to you by the Health Justice Initiative and is produced by Volume. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.